We're continuing the series every second week of New Life. We've looked at the seed of New Life, the source, the start, the seal, the song, the sense, the signs, the steps, and now today we look at the strength of New Life. Paul said in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. This is one of the most exciting verses in the scripture. If we think of what it contains, think about it for a moment. Let's understand the context. Where is Paul? What is happening in his life when he wrote these words? Is in prison. <laughs> And he can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That gives a whole new perspective of what he's writing here. If you were in prison for preaching the truth, for pro proclaiming Christ, what would you and I think? Well, what am I doing here? Shouldn't I be out on the loose in the countries? I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, and look how many Gentile countries there are that aren't reached yet. He could, be, he could have all sorts of thoughts. He could have bitterness come up in his heart, his life. But no, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Chained to a soldier, waiting trial and impending execution. In spite of these circumstances, yes, he could write this wonderful Verse and the ones before it, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in this to be content. Rattle, rattle, <laughs> the chain to the soldier. <laughs> I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to, to be hungry and to abound and to <clears throat> suffer need. And as you read through Philippians, as many commentators have said, what is the theme of the book of Philippians? It's one of joy. Where is he again? In prison. Chained. Yeah. House arrest at times. Free freedom and liberty at times. But he couldn't get out like he had been going over the Gentile world to preach the truth as he'd been commissioned to do. But here he ends this letter on a very joyful note. And concludes with these words we've read this morning. So Paul had discovered the strength of new life in Christ. In every situation, in every circumstance, he had proved Christ to be more than adequate. Indeed, he, he claimed he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. And here is a secret we cannot afford to overlook or to ignore as Christians. All Christians can do and believe and behave as Paul did in the circumstances he faced. So let's examine Paul's statement and find out what was in fact the supernatural secret that he had discovered in Christ to be able to say this sort of things. Let's pray before we do. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word that is before us. Thank you that this was penned. And Lord, let us consider the circumstances under which it was written. And be able to say with Paul when we face troublesome times that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. 
Lord, I pray that that would be what we say and not grumble and complain, and not get bitter instead of better, and Lord, grow uh, antagonistic toward the work and the word of God and the, the way of God in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for the testimony that Paul has left us. We, Heavenly Father, bring before you those that are in trouble sometimes in their lives. Lord, there are those that are not well, and we continue to pray for Mr. and Mrs. Brunken and strengthen them and encourage Brother Gerald, Lord, as he goes through this hard time, this troublesome time, and be with him. Lord, we do pray for family as well, Bridget and Ella, that you would, Lord, work in their hearts as well. Lord, we do pray for others who aren't here because of ill health. And uh, Lord, we bring them before you and ask that you would strengthen their mortal body that they may be able to be with us again, worshipping you and praising you. Lord, we pray for our missionaries. We thank you for them that have committed their life to go away from their families, away from their friends and their fellowship, to minister to needy people all around the world. Lord, and we think of the different missionaries in New Guinea that are amongst the tribal people there, that you would use them as they work amongst the people to bring the light of the gospel. We pray for the camp that's coming up there with Brother Crow and all those involved, that that would be a, a time of refreshing, of building up, strengthening the saints. And Lord, we know the enemy does not want this to happen and that you would hold him at bay and put a hedge around that camp when it happens next month. Lord, we thank you for all that you are and all that you can be to those who are strengthened by you. And may we think on these thoughts today and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we first of all look at verse 11 in some detail the strength of a satisfied life in Christ what was it that kept Paul con um, going as he did and to be able to say what he said well contentment contentment in Christ was a reward of spiritual discipline no matter what state Paul found himself in, he was content. This is what we find in these verses. Because he knew how to apply the laws of spiritual discipline. And uh, we were speaking in the adult class this morning, Troy was, about uh, running the race. Keeping our eye on the goal. And we need to do that. <laughs> Have spiritual discipline. Paul um, <clears throat> respected prosperity with careful moderation. At times he was blessed and ministered to. He abounded at times. In both states of abounding and suffering need, he was content. Whether that way or this way, he could be content. Ultimate satisfaction, and this should be for every Christian, was found in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the circumstances that we face. We could all give up at times, and we may all have given up at times, but we ought not. And Paul had disciplined himself to center his thoughts, his life, his goals and ambitions on the Lord Jesus Christ, not his circumstances. His life could be summed up with what's written in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 and 6, where we read, 
let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have or have not. <laughs> For he hath said, Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And uh, whether you believe Paul penned that or not, it sounds pretty good. To, it sounds like Paul. Yeah, there in Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. His contentment was not insensible. It wasn't stoicism that, you know, like a monk who physically, uh, in a worldly way, separates himself from things, but rather a disciplined adjustment to life by the power of the Lord Jesus who dwelt within him. Physical satisfaction in Christ he had, as we read in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, I have learned in whatever state I am in this to be content. You see, through the disciplined mind, through his commitment to the Lord, he had learned through experience physically to be satisfied. And let us remember that Paul carried to his death an affliction that he would love the Lord to have removed did he not? If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 through to 9, he had this all through his life. We may have some impediment also that we suffer with. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. We read in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. And uh, most of the New Testament epistles were written through Paul. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know, folks, when we're exalted, when we have a primary position, uh, it might be at work, it can be in church, we are tempted to become proud, are we not? That's what Paul said. He said, I could be exalted above measure. And so this thorn stayed with me. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for thee my strength my strength is made perfect in weakness this is something god teaches us you know when we're young we are strong <laughs> we can run we can wrestle we can do these different things but that's not what the lord is interested in he's in interested in the strength spiritually speaking Physically, Paul could be satisfied and through his spiritual strength. And <clears throat> I pray that through our weaknesses, have you, have you not that found that in life? That when you are weak, then you are strong. When you know and recognize you cannot do it in your own strength, the Lord then takes up and said, now I'll do it. <laughs> and he does it to his glory. And it's not through what we have done at all. All glory will go to, ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 through to 8, here Paul is speaking again. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 to 8, and he said this, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. <laughs> 
thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, the spiritual must take the preeminence in our life. Understanding the eternal things. We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He might have had little food and little raiment being locked up in prison, but he had enough to sustain himself. So Paul could be physically satisfied in Christ. He had learnt how to abound and to suffer need. <clears throat> and several times, and you might just mark these down, I'd love to visit them, but not right now. 1 Corinthians 4, 9-14. to Paul there chided the Corinthians for their non-acceptance of his apostleship. And he says, I've been through all these different things, all these experiences, but I still can come out the other side and say, in Christ I am satisfied. In 2 Corinthians 6, 3 to 10, uh, God had to work through him as he couldn't do it alone. And there he expresses what we're trying to get the point across here. God has to do the work through him. Though he had attained all these, as it were, degrees, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, is a tribe of Benjamin and different things, he still had to recognize the fact when he become a Christian that it's Christ in me. Not me, it's Christ in me. Christ that shows forth in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 30. Paul unwillingly boasted about his infirmities and his weaknesses to the Corinthians to show them it's not in man's strength, it's God that works through me. And Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, we're, well, we're right there. We could look at that one, Philippians 3, 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no, no confidence in the flesh. Now, if anyone thought they could have confidence, it was Paul, as he expressed in verse 4. For I, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other... A man thinketh that he hath reason for which he might trust in the flesh. He said, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I'm a Jew <laughs> of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. Wow, what credentials he had. If I, anyone can have confidence, it's me. But he said, I have no confidence. It's Christ in me. We just sung that song, did we not? Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. <laughs> wow. I don't think many of us could write what Paul wrote and put it in, it's in Scripture. And so physical satisfaction in Christ, no confidence, I trust in him alone. Spiritual satisfaction, if you go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, and the outlines there in the bulletin, if you're following there. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. As uh, Troy was talking about this morning, keep your eye on the goal. Things come, things go. Circumstances change. Some days are better than others, physically speaking. But keep your eye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eye on spiritual matters. Keep your eye on eternity. Have we got that spiritual satisfaction in Christ? Or are we... Uh, 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 down and under and the circumstances are on top of us troubles everywhere it seems let's keep our eye back on the goal the Lord Jesus Christ 
Paul knew the difference between living and existing. Some of us exist from day to day and don't live in the Lord Jesus Christ, where we need to live and exist for the glory of God. Uh, <clears throat> There's an illustration of a preacher who was contented and cheerful through a long period of trial and was asked the secret of his contentment. He said, I'll tell you, I made right use of my eyes. Please explain. Most willingly, he said. First, I look up to heaven and remember that my principal business is to get there. Then I look down upon the earth and think how small a place I shall occupy when I'm dead and buried. Then I look around and see the many who are in all respects much worse off than I am. Then I remember where true joyfulness lies, where all our cares end, and how little reason I have to complain. The preacher had learned in whatsoever state he was, he had learned to be content. And as you think of this world, as you think of how it operates, as you think of all the advertising they put up for you to, to desire their, their product, it's all about being not content, isn't it? Have you got a car that gets you from A to B? Yeah, okay. You're here this morning, unless you walked. But how many of us have desired a new car? <laughs> Not one goes putt, bang, putt, 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 putt. When you start off with the lights and everyone looking, what is he driving? <laughs> but are we content? There's so many areas in our life. You know, when you have that big clean out, when you get a bit older and have to get rid of all the junk or even younger, you know, you, you keep getting another one to replace the other one that hadn't broken down yet. You see, we, the, 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 the world thrives on the lack of contentment of people and the advertising is aimed at that all the time. You can look better, you can do better, you can, you know, put on a better facade to the world. Are we spiritually satisfied in Christ? Are we physically satisfied in Christ? As for me to live is Christ, that's the goal. To, to die is gain. Keep your eye on the goal. <laughs> I mean, not to die. Well, well that's going to happen. <laughs> we all will die. The scriptures tell us that. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. And to die is, could we say today, for me to live is Christ, but to die is is gain. The younger you are, the harder that might be to say. <laughs> but it is true for every Christian. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. The strength of a satisfied life in Christ. The strength, secondly, of an edified life in Christ. Back in Philippians 4 and verse 12, I know, know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. <clears throat> Literally, it says, I've been taught the secret. And someone put it, Paul, the slave of Christ, was led to a mastery over circumstances which made him a king. He could face adversity, but more importantly, he could face prosperity. The maturity of Christ in times of adversity 
I know how to be abased. And those references I gave you before from First and Second Corinthians, if you read through them, you can see that he was abased many times. You see, we have today in religious circles people preaching that if you are spiritual, everything will be fine. You won't be sick at all. You won't get any diseases. You, you, you'll have money in the bank. You'll drive a Mercedes or whatever else is. That's probably not as worth as much as a Lamborghini or whatever. You know, you'll, you'll be up there. You'll have a little jet as well. You know, you better fly around to meetings and you'll look the thing. But not, not Paul. <laughs> that, that's not the, the essence of spirituality. We need to help, know how to face adversity. And to be strong in the times and hours of need. I know how to be abased. And this is not the thought of today, is it? That's not the thought in religious circles either. In Christendom, let's call it Christendom, not in the true church. Job said in chapter 13 and verse 15, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. I will, man I will, will maintain, maintain mine, in, mine own ways before him. I've got another verse in mind, and I will maintain mine integrity. And Job also said, the maturity of Christ in times of adversity. Nothing is stable in this world. The bridge can collapse. The economy can collapse. Everything can be taken away in a moment. But have we the maturity to face the adversity as we do? Paul the apostle assigned to get the world out without radio, without web page, without printing presses, by handwritten things, by the preaching of the word. He's been commissioned to do this in his early life, coming toward his midlife. And then he has to work. He has to stitch up tents. And he supplies the needs of those that are fellow ministers with him doing that work. And then he gets on the road after earning some money in a town to go and minister to another town and robbers take all that he earned. He gets beat up three times, not necessarily by robbers, by, spirit, by religious people. Thrice suffered. He was in shipwrecks. That's not the prosperity gospel we hear of today. That's adversity. This is what made him strong. If you want to be strong, face the adversity and come through looking at Christ, trusting him for the strength to live the Christian life. Now, it's sort of a message. It's not a popular message, is it? You mean all that live godly in Christ Jesus will, will suffer persecution? That's what the Bible says, isn't it? And that's what Paul faced. And all the time, he's, he, I'm going to get this job done. I'm getting, getting the message out. How can I do this best? And suffering these setbacks. Hey, Satan is set against us, isn't he? Satan is determined to, to make us ineffectual and ineffective. He wants to discourage us so that we're not strengthened in Christ. Instead, overcome by the adversities that we face. But God can work through us, even in these times of adversity, to build character. That will bring forth conduct that's becoming of the Christian. It's like the thought of... A spoilt child. When they grow up, they have to learn that there is problems in life. And it's good to teach them as they're coming, as they're growing up, 
that the, the adversity will come and that they must face it and build their character. So Paul's character was built, our character is built by facing the adversity, maturity of Christ in times of adversity and the humility of Christ in times of prosperity. If you look at verse 12 <clears throat> there, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Full and hungry, both adversity and prosperity. He knew how to abound in these times. Though Paul, as we started with, dictated this letter from a Roman dungeon, he also knew what it was to live in many wealthy homes. Many generous hosts put him up. We think of John Mark. John Mark, who went with him on a missionary journey and then returned halfway through the missionary journey. John Mark was from a wealthy home. And I believe on that journey, he just couldn't hack the adversity that they were facing. And uh, he went home. He, he came back into ministry, praise God. He learnt the adversity grows and builds character. <clears throat> but Paul had stayed in that house. Can you think of him uh, or with him? Here is Paul in prison. And you can think of all those nice beds, <laughs> the good food and everything in other places that he'd been. And he said, if I'm there or here, I'm content. This is where God has put me. And yeah, we, I think we've all got to learn that. I've had to learn that. You know, we're thinking when you're younger, this is the way life's going to go. And this is not the way life goes. <laughs> and at the end, you think, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you just have to trust in the Lord, don't you, like Paul did? And you, you'd think, well, you know, the Apostle Paul and the other apostles who all suffered martyrs' deaths except for John, probably could have thought the same, but, but they had the goal, the goal their, their eyes set on the Lord Jesus. They could have thought, well, things are just only going to get better all the time. No, no. Not for the Christian that's going to grow in Christ and learn to trust him and learn to depend on him instead of on his own strength. Uh, <clears throat> Paul said of the Lord Jesus, you know he was, he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Rich in him, rich for eternity, blessed in him. <clears throat> How many people that are exalted still remain humble? It's a concern, isn't it? Humility and greatness are always found together in the same way that pride and littleness is found together. It was one thing, says a friend of Spurgeon, to listen to him addressing thousands, and another to know him in private. Many a time, says Mr Brown, I've seen tears run down his cheeks, that is of Spurgeon. I asked him on an occasion, Governor, what is the matter? Are you unhappy? What are these tears for? And the answer from Spurgeon was this. I feel that I'm such a failure. I'm doing so little for Jesus. <laughs> and you think, Spurgeon said that? He did. And you see, that, that's what needs to go together. Though he was ministering greatly, yet he had the humble attitude. It goes to, and that's whom the Lord blesses. That's whom the Lord works through. 
This was a man who had been instrumental in doing a work of a modern apostle, we could say, in bringing souls to Christ, yet wept because he felt that he'd not done enough for Christ. And I've written under this, God have mercy on, on all stuck-up nobodies whose littleness and pride go hand in hand. <laughs> Look at these men that God used. Look back and read about the missionaries that God used. It was because of their humility that God worked through them for his glory in their ministry. Few can handle adversity. Praise God there are a few. But fewer still can handle prosperity when all things go well. Thirdly, we'll look at the strength of a fortified life in Christ. We've <clears throat> a satisfied life in Christ, an edified life in Christ, and now a fortified life in Christ. Verse 13 of Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We could put it like this. I am strong for all things in him who pours strength into me. To be able to say and mean this is to know the very essence of Christian living. That's where God wants to get every one of us to that point where we realize we cannot do it. And I can verify that in, in my life when... You get to the point, you know, you try hard, you do your best, and you struggle, and don't get, just doesn't seem to go. And then the Lord says to you, now I've got you where I want you. <laughs> you realize you cannot do it yourself, and the Lord lifts us up, lifts you up, and ministers in the ministry. Without the strength of men, but with the strength of God. Uh, <clears throat> Although the context here indicates that Paul meant he was able to cope with any given situation, the principal thought in this great utterance there in verse 13 may be to include God's enabling for all Christian responsibility. He enables us to do things as not our strength that does them. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, just go through a few thoughts here as we conclude, the strength is of, of a fortified life in Christ. To know the conscious and continual power of the indwelling Christ guarantees strength to live faithfully. As verse 1 tells us, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. These people he loved in the Lord Jesus. And he said, stand faithfully. To know the strength of Christ is to be strengthened to live faithfully. What is it required of stewards that a man be found? Faithful. In Hebrews 3, verses 1, 2, and 5, there it compares the house of Moses. He was faithful in all his house. Then it talked about the faithfulness, faithfulness of Christ in his ministry as well. Strength to live faithfully is what is guaranteed when we're strengthened by the Lord for the work. Secondly, strength to live joyfully. In verse 4 of chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I remember a man that was here 40 years ago in the church. And he, he, they moved to Perth there. And uh, this is a, fa a favorite saying of his when he was down. Was, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> rejoice. No matter what the circumstances, rejoice. We can have strength to live joyfully in spite of the circumstances, can't we? 
happiness doesn't depend on? I thought you'd know that. Happenings. Happiness does not depend on happenings. In chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 6 through to 9, we read this. In this ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if, in, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus, whom having not seen, ye love in, the, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So in this you greatly rejoice. Though now you're going through some hard times, Paul said, I mean, Peter said here, you are in heaviness through manifold trials, yet it brings forth something that's precious, as gold that's put in and, and purified by the fire. Strengthened to live joyfully. Are you depending on your happiness, depending on happenings and circumstances I pray that it doesn't because you'll be up and down all over the place you will not be content your strength comes from the Lord Jesus in adversity strength to live helpfully verse 5 of chapter 4 of Philippians we read let your moderation be known to all men the Lord is at hand <laughs> let your moderation your ministry your help to other people over in the book of Romans, chapter 16 and verses 1 to 4, Paul talked about those that helped. He listed the servants of the Lord that ministered to him and with him. He said, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church which is in Centuria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become of the saint, saints, and that ye assist her in whatever business she hath need of you. And so there are those that have strength to live and helpfully minister to others, and we are to minister toward to, to each other. Just back in Romans 15, verse 1. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. A fortified life in Christ is the strength to live faithfully and joyfully and helpfully others not ourselves fourthly strength to live prayerfully that's in philippians 4 and verse 6 we read be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god tell me when is it that you and i pray the most when is it that you and i pray the most earnestly and fervently and effectually is it in times of prosperity no, because we come, become self-reliant. It's in times of adversity and trouble. <coughs> why, do, why is it that these troubles come? Maybe because we're not praying, <laughs> as we ought to. Not thanking the Lord. In times of prosperity, we ought to be giving thanks to the Lord. In times when it's all going well, giving thanks and praying for others. But so often the Lord has to pull us up and allow these things to come in our life so that we turn back to him and our prayers go to heaven fervently and effectually and they're answered omnipotently by God. Strength to live prayerfully. I will therefore, Paul said, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Fifthly, strength to live thankfully. This is what it means to do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And that's found in verse 
6 as well, being anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, with thanksgiving and thankfully. Um, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 reads, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in he, to his name. <clears throat> continually praying and thanking the Lord. You know when we have prayer meeting, if you come to prayer meeting, we have prayer requests. What are those? most of those prayer requests? Help me, heal me, do for me. How many times, when we ask for prayers of thanks, do we get many prayers that thank you, Lord, for, we can thank the Lord for? Think about that. God loves a thankful heart, an appreciative heart. And we ought to uh, be thankful. Paul, in their circumstances, could be thankful. And he's saying for the saints to be thankful, be careful for nothing, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Pray to the Lord. How is it that when your children are asking for you things all the time, what about when they give you thanks for something you've done for them? How does that move your heart? That's different, isn't it? You appreciate that thankfulness. Strength to live sixthly, peacefully, in verse 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer to live peacefully. <laughs> the peace of God that dwelleth in our hearts. Is it the peace of God that's keeping you as a Christian going on for him, even in times of adversity and prosperity? Strength to live peacefully. The peace of God is given to us at salvation and continues. There's a different pieces that you can study there. A study on that would be good, but that <clears throat> is in our hearts. A peace to knowing that if we die, we are absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's a peace that passes all understanding, is it not? We know we have eternity to look forward to. And the peace of God, the peace with God that comes at salvation. And lastly, strength to live thoughtfully. Verse 8 of chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. How's the thought life? What are we thinking as we go through life? In the times when our mind is not occupied with things in this world, where do they travel to? What are we thinking about? Strength to live thoughtfully. In Romans 12, 3, it reads, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. How is your thinking? Thinking soberly? Thinking as you ought to think? What is your attitude? You know, we might not verbalize some things that we think about what God has allowed in our life, but we're thinking them. God knows our thoughts are far off, it tells us. Are we thinking the right things? When we think of evil things, when the bird of sin, as we talked of the other two weeks ago, <laughs> comes landing on our head, we don't have to let it stay there. We don't have to let it nest there. 
We need to get rid of those evil thoughts quickly. And strength to do that comes from the Lord as we rely on him. Meditate on God's word. Meditate on his precepts. Meditate on his statutes. Read the book of Psalms. As someone has said, if you read five Psalms a day, how long will it take to get you, get you through? A month. And add to that one proverb a day. That'll be another month. <laughs> and just go over and over and back through there and get a thankful, grateful heart. And have your thoughts to be where God wants them to be in this life. So the challenge of the message confronts us with the only one in the universe who can strengthen us to live the Christian life. Satisfy, edify and fortify us to live by his supernatural strength, not our own strength. And many a work in Christian circles today is done in the, in the strength of the flesh. God does not want it done that way. He wants us to rely on him. As Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't live my life. Paul didn't live his life and we shouldn't live our lives in the strength of the flesh. We live now in the flesh, but we don't live by the flesh. We live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If Paul had to do it, the apostle, who got all these revelations he did and we've got them here before us, how much more we trust in the Lord Lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge that he is the strength of your life, not you. And if there are things in the way, God has to remove them. Whether it's our plans and our purposes and our thoughts, that he might be the one that works through us. And he'll do a far better job in a far better way for his purposes for eternity. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word that Paul penned in this chapter and this book. Lord, we ought to be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Maybe there's somebody here that you would call to preach, and they're saying, I can't. Yeah, they can't. We can't. But he can. He can strengthen them to preach. Maybe there's someone who would be challenged to be a Sunday school teacher. Oh, I can't do that. They can through Christ that strengthens them. Maybe there are those who are being challenged, Lord, to go out and witness to people. You've gifted them with that ability. But they're saying, I can't. They can through Christ that strengthens them. Not their ability, his ability through them. Lord, let us realise this very basic principle to live the Christian life and let us live by it. We pray and ask your guidance and blessing and that all might be done to your glory in whose name we pray. Amen.